Good evening, my friends. It's been a long time since we've shared a podcast, and it's uh, quite an ordeal that has been taking place a bit since then. It's quite an adventure, and so looking forward to sharing with you this evening. And um, and and again, I would just encourage you all. I just feel like the the Lord has really led to this, and I would encourage you to share this with, with your friends and you could just um, send them a link of the uh, podcast and they could easily listen to it. And so, so um, just thank you so much for, for uh, your prayers and, and let's just begin this evening with, with a, a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for being with us. Lord, we, we pray for all of us just ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And Lord, we pray that that we could indeed have a conversational relationship with you that that would that would just be so real and so full of your life and that that others would just be they would just be drawn to you they would come to hunger and thirst for you and um, because of your presence in our lives would have your way among us give us ears to hear we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, preparing for this podcast has been quite an adventure. Um, I'm calling this, uh, entitling this, A Conversational Relationship with Jesus, The Key to Protection from Deception. And, you know, as I, as I was beginning to make my notes on this, the first thing I wrote down was <laughs> a continual battle with deception can be wearisome. <laughs> so last Sunday morning, I was nearly ready to present my thoughts, and I gained some great insights from a great book by Dallas Willard that I'm going to share with you, share some thoughts with you soon. And, um, and I was excited. I was about to wrap up my preparation and, and go for it and do do this, do the presentation last Sunday. I'm doing this on a on a Thursday night. And so so as I began to seek to to uh, put it together and present and do the podcast, uh, Microsoft Sway that I use is a software program from Microsoft, obviously, that was it just was acting weird. And first it was very difficult to log in. Then when I finally got logged into my account, all my notes on deception were gone. And only the only the notes on deception, they just vanished. I had no idea where they were. There were three teachings left on on discerning the times, things that we've studied before, but but Every one of my notes on podcasts that I've previously done on deception were absolutely just vanished. I had no idea where they were. Now, Microsoft's Way is an interactive web-based program. And so I found, uh, I talked with some people at school and I found, they said, check out OneDrive. And so sure enough, on Tuesday, I found the, the my notes in OneDrive. But... <laughs> As I, I I couldn't even access them. I couldn't get to them for whatever reason. That was again. I don't know what was really going on. And, but however, even though I found them there, the most recent edition of my notes that I was planning to present was not present. I still don't know where that one is at this point. 
Now, I'm not techie savvy enough to really figure out exactly what's happening, but it just feels weird. You know, at my school, I, I have my entire world history curriculum from, from the beginning of creation to World War II. I have that whole curriculum on Microsoft's way and I've never lost a single thing. It saves itself. It's all in the same place. It's never been a single problem with it. So anyway, <laughs> this, has been, this has been an adventure, but um, we're ready to go here. And so, so, you know, as I was struggling with this, I, the Lord was so gracious. Um, and I just felt him clearly just speak to me. Uh, and he is so loving, so graciously speak to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And you know, therein, in that passage, lies the heart of what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us. You know, kind of whole background to all these podcasts is Jesus' warning. Be careful that no one deceives you. And, you know, protection from deception is assured to us in Scripture, insured to us as we have an intimate, personal, and conversational relationship with Jesus, then we're going to be protected from deception. And so, and you know, note especially here this conversational part. I am just delighting in a fantastic book. I highly recommend it, guys. The title is, the author is Dallas Willard, and the title is Hearing God, subtitle, Developing, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. And it's becoming my favorite book of all time, and I've read a lot of books. It, it's, uh, it's amazing in its depths and its ideals, but at the same time, extremely practical and, and real to life. And I'm, 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 it's a book I've already said, I've got to read this again. Although my dear precious wife, Kathy is insisting I let her read it first and I'm going to do that, but it is an amazing book. Again, Dallas Willard's hearing God, developing a conversational relationship with God. One simple, but powerful insight is, is, is that comes that's found in it is when we pray, are we like making prayer speeches to God or are we conversing with our father and savior who has made us his brothers and sisters and friends? You know, developing this conversation relationship with the Lord is a main thing. I think the Lord wants us to hear in this whole podcast. You know, as we have this kind of relationship with him, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he will keep us from deception. Indeed, from of old, he's warned us to be careful that no one deceives us, even as we began here. And with that warning in mind, I wanted to address a couple of current events that just illustrate how our current times are just so vividly full of deception. You know, one of those current events is is the uh, effort of Elon Musk to purchase Twitter. Now, and it looks like it's going to happen, and I, and I see that as a victory of sorts. 
you know, maybe that'll be lead to a time where, you know, we as as the people of our our nation, as we interact with each other, we'll have a, a source through which it will be more easily, we can more easily hear more of the truth with less censorship. You know, I, it, it seems clear, very evident that a huge portion of the news on most modern media is propaganda. Well, what's propaganda? Well, Google defines it as information, especially of uh, information, especially of a biased or misleading nature. Now, Elon Musk portrays himself as a free speech absolutist. Now, hope, hopefully, what will take place with Twitter, Twitter will be that that it will become a place where, you know, all thought is allowed to be expressed freely and without censorship. You know, it's been amazing the fearful reaction to the to his purchase of Twitter. Just remarkable how fearful people have been. The Washington Post even reacted and said this, quote, we need more content moderation, not less. What? Even the wording of that reaction needs discernment. What is content moderation? Well, I did a trusty Google search to find out what that was, and Google says content moderation is the practice of monitoring and applying a predetermined set of rules and guidelines to user-generated submissions to determine best if the communication is permissible or not. Wow, huh? Content moderation decides whether something's permissible to be said or not. Now, I wonder how the Washington Post as they have said, we need more content moderation, not less. I wonder how they would react if Congress would monitor their post and to determine if their communication was permissible or not. The very motto of the Washington Post is, democracy dies in darkness, yet they call for more content moderation. Now, I'm a teacher of world history. <laughs> It was Nazis and Soviets and other totalitarian dictatorships who used censorship to determine what was permissible. You know, it's, and it's just it's concerning. Where in the world are we headed with this stuff? You know, remember. Let's remember. Bear in mind, we saw we talked about this recently. The prophetic words of the Jewish poet named Henny. He said, "When one burns books." one will soon burn people. And of course, it's amazing how he said this before the Holocaust. You know, and if an idea is not permissible to be expressed, it may as well have been burned. You know, indeed, the, the New York Post was content moderated when its report on the Hunter Biden laptop story was deemed impermissible. And of course, it's been proven to be true. So obviously the question becomes, who is doing the, let's be real here, it's not content moderation, although it, you know when they decide what's permissible or not, it certainly is, but, but it's really censorship. Who is deciding if the communication is permissible or not? Now, over time, it's become quite evident that much of the information we get from mass media is at least of a biased 
or misleading nature. Propaganda. Now let's think for a bit on the reaction to Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter and his declaration that he was, or he is, an absolutist on free speech. Well, very interestingly, former President Obama recently stated that he was a First Amendment absolutist, and it seemed that it was in response to Musk saying he was a free speech absolutist. Now, what did Obama mean by that? Well, the First Amendment literally says, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Now, the practical application of this is, is very defined. That is that the federal government, Congress, may not take away free, be, free speech, but private companies like Twitter, the Washington Post, or the New York Times may. Well, so what has resulted? Facebook, YouTube, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and some people even say as much as 95% who knows if that's actually accurate or not, but it seems reasonable to me. Some say even 95% of major media outlets practice censorship. They are the ones deciding if the communication is permissible or not. You know, in a further magnification of the controlling of free speech, the White House has announced that the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security, no less, has put in place the Disinformation Governance Board. Now, the person in charge of that board called the Hunter Biden laptop story false and the Russian campaign collusion true. So thus, this person who's supposed to be heading the Disinformation Governance Board deceived the American people with, with their own disinformation. Now, this deceptive censorship really reflects the rejection of truth of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Now, another current event to check out is this crazy abortion leak and all the crazy reaction to this. Now, <clears throat> you know, a, a common practice you know, the Supreme Court is reviewing the Roe versus Wade decision from 1973 that made abortion on demand legal, you know. So, so the Supreme Court's reviewing that. And so a common practice, what the, what the Supreme Court always, what they always do as they are evaluating things is that the justices will write up their own thoughts and they'll share them with one another as they are considering what their final decision will be on the issues. And these are called circulars. And, and you know, and their, their, their tradition and that practice is to keep that private just among the justices until the final decision is made. Well, as we all know, probably, a circular from Justice Samuel Alito was leaked to the press this week. Now, this act itself is like a terrible betrayal of trust. The, whoever did that is, you know, is probably going to wind up in trouble. There, there, there. Just there's an investigation. Now, in in the what Alito wrote, he said the road decision was egregiously wrong from the outset. Now, what in the world does egregiously mean? Well, it means in an outstandingly bad way, shockingly. 
And using the sentence, <laughs> Google kind of ironically says, the sentence is, we've been misleading you most egregiously. <laughs> it's almost humorous that they say that that's the sentence that Google uses. <laughs> so how is the road decision egregiously wrong from the outset? Outstandingly bad, right? Well, why did Alito say that? Well, Roe created an unlimited right to abortion on demand. Now, the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, is based on the famous natural rights philosophy from the philosopher John Locke. Now, these natural rights are based on natural law. Basically, they're based on, based on how God's created the world, right? And this is clearly reflected in the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson virtually, I mean, he quotes Locke specifically. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with the right to life. Obviously, there's other things there, but for our purposes now. And so the clear principle of the natural rights philosophy and, and even of natural law is that our rights come from God, not the government. Even as the declaration goes on to say that our rights are unalienable. Our rights are from God and they cannot be taken away from us. And so the Roe decision created this right to unlimited abortion on demand contrary to natural law. Just think about it. In all the history of the world, when it has ever been considered the right of one person to stop the beating heart of another? Now, you know, the the COVID mantra, we just finished going through all that stuff. You know, the COVID mantra was follow the science. Well, let's be consistent. If we follow the science, abortion stops a beating heart. I mean, look at the sonogram images of fingers and toes and, uh, you know. So as this circular was leaked, the reaction to it has been so revealing protests have been encouraged at the residences of the Supreme Court justices. Now, the First Amendment right to freedom of assembly states that they must be peaceable and on public property. Now, the, the, the protests have been, have been peaceable, but the residences are not public property. And also, there are laws forbidding people to put undue pressure on the judges. There's laws against this. The, though these protests are blatantly illegal in that they're on private property and they're pressuring these judges, both the mainstream media and the White House have basically encouraged them. The Constitution seems to be regarded only when it's convenient to the cause. And also, truth from media was also on vivid display in these protests. One absolutely ludicrous report from CNN warned that warned of extreme violence from the right directed toward a whole laundry list of things. I don't even have a complete list here that the lady said, but some of them were that the right's going to do extreme violence toward abortion providers, federal officials, members of the judiciary, and even Supreme Court justices. Now, now, now just think about that. This circular 
this what Alito said was saying basically saying they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, which is what people on the right want done to protect the life of a child. So why would there be extreme violence from the right when the circular was in their favor? So that so it's just ludicrous that CNN would have someone report something like that. It's so deceptive. So if indeed, you know, as we look ahead to the future, guys, we got to pray. If the road decision is reversed, the division in our land is going to be tremendously magnified and, and the, there's no telling what's going to happen. So we need to be praying about the, for the Supreme Court and decision to come. Now, as these current events reveal such an abundance of deceptive things and ways, how do we respond? Well, a, a reality we've thought about before is simply that the United States, as much as we may love it, is not the kingdom of God. We must be responsible citizens of our democracy. We need to vote with wisdom. And we need to seek to have a redeeming influence on our culture. However, the United States is not the kingdom of God. And our primary calling is to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, and you know, we've looked at this before, of course, when when Jesus was about was was going through his trial with Pilate, he said, as we've talked about several times, that his kingdom was not of this world. And it, and very specifically said, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Now, you know, we need to be doing the same. You know, that needs to be our purpose. And as we seek first the kingdom, may we live and testify to the truth. Now, in our day, it seems quite evident that we're experiencing many of the New Testament's warnings like 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Ephesians 6.11, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. 1 John 2.18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, just my, my purpose in sharing those scriptures to, is to just acknowledge and think about the realization that scripture is clear that the great tribulation will come and it will culminate with a one world government reigned over by the Antichrist. Well, when? Well, no one, nobody, nobody knows. But, but the reality I just think we need to think about is, you know, we, we, you know, we need to stand for truth and we need to, we need to, seek first the kingdom and we need to see people born into the kingdom and we need to live and be what the church is supposed to be. But the reality is these things will occur. The great tribulation is coming. A one world government is coming led by the antichrist. Well, again, when, well, we don't know the day or the hour. Are we in the season? Well, according to John here, the last hour began in his day. So where are we now? Now, Daniel 12, 1 has, has a powerful passage. When It says, when that time comes, Daniel 12, 1 says, then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. 
But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Wow. What a great promise, Daniel 12.1. Well, how can we be assured that our name is in the book? Well, Dallas Willard in this book I was telling you about that I love so much, shared a beautiful analogy that illustrates our spiritual life. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Yet, you know, even though we're dead in trespasses and sins, we're still physically alive. We simply did not possess eternal spiritual life. In terms of eternal life, we were dead. Well, to illustrate that, Dallas Willard says, consider a cabbage. <laughs> it has life in that, the cabbage, in the seed. As, it's, as the seed is planted, it interacts with the soil and the water and grows to a living plant. It has life. However, that cabbage cannot interact with us in conversation or play. In that sense, it's, it's dead to that kind of life of interaction with us as human beings. Just our food, right? <laughs> in contrast, like a kitten. A kitten can play with us and interact with us in a in, in more personal way than a cabbage. But, you know, a kitten cannot read a book with us or have a conversation with us. So both the cabbage and the kitten are dead to intimate interaction with us as human beings. So now Jesus says in John 5, 24, in the sense of, of what we saw in Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus says, John 5, 24, I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Jesus also in John 1, 12 says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And I love John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent. Well, how awesome. The way to have eternal life is to know the Lord. The great word, or the, excuse me, the Greek word here for know implies that, that the meaning of know there is to learn to know, to become acquainted with. You know, so, so Jesus says in John 15, 15, which saw this recently also, but he says, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Now, how do we, isn't it beautiful how a dear friend we can have any conversation with? We can, we can, we can, they can almost say our next sentences for us. And, the, and the, that, that beautiful conversational relationship with a great friend, you know, I know that Kathy and I have that, that relationship in our marriage. It's like we know what's going to come out of our mouth next. And so, so as, as with that in mind, as we are, as Jesus calls us his friends and eternal life is to know him, let us nurture a conversational relationship with our Lord and Savior who has chosen us, made us his friends, enabled us to learn to know him. 
And so, you know, even as, as Matthew 11 said to me in my weariness <laughs> in dealing with all this deception and, and, and strife, <laughs> he says, Jesus says, we can enter his rest as we come to him and learn of him. And our assurance is that he will rescue us from per the perilous times that may come. So brothers and sisters, I pray God's blessing on you this week. May you come to have that intimate conversational relationship with Jesus. So, and, and that will protect us no matter come what may. So let's close, close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made us your friends. We rejoice in that, Lord. We thank you so much. And what I, I thank you too, and of how you talk about it in, Ephesians, in Hebrews 4, that, that if we, to enter into your rest, we're not to harden our hearts, but to come boldly before your throne of grace. And so, Lord, it's amazing how you have so redeemed us and so chosen us and so made us your friends. Lord, help us to truly nurture our relationship with you and truly know you. And Lord, thank you that that means eternal life. And that means that the assurance that if as our names are in your book, no matter what perilous times come, that we will be rescued. So thank you, Lord. We rejoice in you. And we pray again, Lord, that you'd enable us to live such lives that, that, that our lives would speak truth. We could speak the truth in love. Our lives would, our very lives would speak truth to people. So Lord, have your way be honored in our lives. We pray in Jesus.